This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, I guess it's go time here on Friday afternoon on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Getting ready for a big weekend and a big hockey game tonight for the Winnipeg Jets up in Montreal. I'm your host, Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus. We've got a big show today. Craig Button joining us from the World Under 18s down in Plano, Texas. But we'll also talk to uh, Craig about the Winnipeg Jets going into tonight's game against Montreal and where the team's at, what we've seen or haven't seen over the last couple weeks from uh, the local side. Crazy night last night at the NFL Draft. Going to have an old mainstay of Friday afternoons on the afternoon ride. The legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, coming up at 145. Uh, for those of you watching live on YouTube. And before we finish up the program, um, as I mentioned earlier, we're incredibly um, pumped to be working with the Cinnaboy Downs, Darren Dunn and his great crew again for the upcoming season. We'll kind of have officially be talking harness racing, making picks for ASD live events throughout the summer when it gets going coming up in May. But it is the run for the roses, the big race, the Kentucky Derby on Sunday. Um, and I know even the most casual fans might sprinkle a little wager on it. So we're going to get uh, ASD handicapper Kirk Contois join us on the program to fill us in on uh, what we want to do for picks for the Derby coming up on the weekend. As always, we are brought to you by Not Autocore, Boston Pizza. I've got a actually we've got a BP giveaway we're going to get to in just a couple minutes, so make sure you stay with us. Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. We'll hit the golf, the uh, PGA Tour a little bit later on for Breezy. We'll get to our lines for Cool Bet Canada, and of course our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And let's bring in Michael Remus uh, as we get going on the program. And Remo, speaking of sponsors. This is going to be official on Monday when we get going with a new month. Um, but I know you're very, very excited about this. Um, and we can officially welcome to the Winnipeg Sports Talk family, our official beer and craft beer sponsor, locally brewed and made, Little Brown Jug on board with WST. And I, I have to say, Reem, I know we were talking about this beforehand. Um, we've had incredible sponsors and incredible support from day one. Um, but the excitement from you when I told you that it looks like Little Brown Jug was going to be part of Winnipeg Sports Talk was uh, was a moment I won't soon forget. <laughs> yes, I'm very, uh, very pumped. So I guess I have only one brand of beer that I'm drinking. I know there's a lot of very good local breweries, but Little Brown Jug, what their, uh, their flagship beer, very good. I think their honey one I've enjoyed quite a bit. So I'm a big fan. I'll have to go pick some up. Well, I actually uh, have weekend. good news. Good news. You won't even need to do that because unless you want to come with me because I'm going to pop down the t- there tomorrow. They're going to have a little care package for Winnipeg Sports Talk, which I'll bring by for you. And come Monday, what? we'll have some of the great products, maybe even get you a lid as well. Um, but yeah, if you want to celebrate with us, we'll certainly be uh, cranking out a little Little Brown Jug or a 1919 somewhere this weekend. So do that yeah. and welcome aboard, folks. It's uh, great to have you guys uh, all with us today. Um, we will. We actually we've got, as I mentioned, Pizza Week's coming up. So we've got some exciting things coming up from Boston Pizza. And we'll do a giveaway a little bit later on. 
but real, this is going to be a real fun show today. Um, we actually are going to have Craig Button coming up in just a few minutes. Um, Craig's on the way to the rink right now, so we actually caught up with him just in the past 45 minutes or so. Uh, you're definitely going to want to watch that. We spoke mostly about the National Hockey League Winnipeg Jets but also on the world under 18s. And just on that quickly, Reem, Canada is playing Switzerland tonight. You can check it out on TSN 5. Um, this tournament, the importance of this tournament, I think is you know exponentially higher this year because of the lack of playing opportunities for so many of these other young men that are going into the draft. Yeah, it's been such a weird year. We've been talking about that. I mean, no OHL this season. They didn't have this tournament last year. Uh, you know, we have the draft coming up and some of these scouts, I mean, haven't seen a lot of these guys. So, and again, these players haven't really played in this type of competition. And the one thing that is also drawing everyone, everyone's eyes is uh, Connor Bedard. We've heard so much about him the last couple of weeks about what he was doing in the WHL, but now he's, he's 15, Huss, playing in the under 18 tournament. Uh, let me do some quick math. I think that's what, like three years younger than everyone. So... Uh, and that hasn't been done since who? Who was the last guy? Another Connor who did that? Connor uh, yeah, McDavid? McDavid, I believe who's, is his name. You may have heard of him. You may have heard of him. He just torched the Jets uh, this week. <laughs> People are saying McDavid, uh, is he the best player ever? Was a question someone like asked me earlier this week. So uh, no pressure, Connor Bedard, being 15 <laughs> at the under-18s. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll get Rod Peterson on at some point in the next couple of weeks. I've been waiting to get Rod on anyways to talk about oh, the CFL story. But he, I mean, of course, doing his program, they're following the, uh, the the Jets, you know, the National Hockey League. But also, he was calling a bunch of those games. And, you know, I've talked with Rod off air about Bedard. And, I mean, he is the definition of the word phenom. And um, he uh, lit, I mean, he was the best player in the bubble in the East Division at 15 years old. And now he's doing his thing. Um, <laughs> now he's doing his thing uh, against kids um, considerably older than him and still looking good. And man, Shane Wright. Shane Wright's actually going to miss the second game. He's also not eligible for the draft. He's the captain of the team. Scored a hat trick in the first game. So um, some pretty exciting young Canadian prospects and some pretty busy NHL scouts getting ready for uh, the draft with a um, very limited amount of opportunity to see these young men live in person. Great to see everyone with us here live on a Friday afternoon. Of course, I'm sure most of you will be getting ready and watching this game tonight. Montreal, Winnipeg. Um, sounds like coach is going to roll the same lineup tonight, Remo. Um, I-, I thought maybe there'd be a change on the blue line. I thought potentially Connor Hellebuck might get a night off. Uh, but with a couple days after this game, it looks like they're going to go right back at it and see if they can build on what they started with a better performance against Edmonton, but unfortunately one that still ended up with the Jets on the wrong side of the scoreboard. Yeah, you know, he had said a couple weeks ago that they were going through, going to go through a rotation and some kind of by-committee approach with this last D-man in, Ben between Ben, Stanley, Hainala. Hainala got one game, Stanley went back in. Now it's Ben now for a couple in a row, so... He's the guy right now. Hellbuck, yeah, you know, play him. They're playing again Monday. So basically, you know, last game, you know, Andrew Kopp said they got to strap their balls in. This game, it's like, okay, now they're strapped in. Maybe tighten them a little. And uh, we'll see what goes. I think they liked their game. You know, they didn't win. Um, They played better than Monday's game, which, again, not hard to do when it was labeled by their own players as an embarrassment. So, you know, they didn't embarrass themselves, but now it's time for a win and, uh, you know, in our conversation with Craig, he was saying how Montreal, you know, they're on a bit of a slide here. And, you know, Calgary might even be able to sneak in because of how poor Montreal has been playing. 
And so I think this is a good chance for the Jets to win. Are they? We, we should look at the odds. Are they? What's the Jets odds watch? They're going to be favored against this Montreal uh, team, the, right? I uh, just checked, and we'll do the full lines later on for Cool Bet. But as of right now, the Jets are actually a very, very slight favorite. The Jets are minus 106. Or sorry, I guess a, a slight underdog. Jets are minus 106. Habs are minus 109. It's essentially a pick em. When I looked about 10 minutes ago, Habs were minus 110, and Jets were minus 105. So um, about as close to a pick em as you can get without the teams being at the exact same number. Um, and considering the way both teams have played as of late, uh, I kind of understand why the odds makers have settled there because mm-hmm. neither of these teams have been doing much winning uh, in recent memory. Full disclosure, I'm, I think I'm going to rock Connor Hellbuck as my goalie on DraftKings tonight. Just He's always cheap. You know he's going to get a lot of shots, and he's a pretty good goalie. So I always think, feel like that's a, a safe play. But I see a lot of people in chat, Huss. Uh, I think a lot of people were watching that Edmonton-Calgary game last night. <laughs> I saw Leslie's. I saw yeah. there's Leslie Mitchuk. So how does Calgary <laughs> hold McDavid to nothing, but the Jets can't? Was it just that it was the second of a back-to-back? Um, I'll be honest. I was watching the NFL draft, so I didn't watch the game, so I can't tell you exactly. But I did listen to uh, my pal Dustin Nielsen this morning in Edmonton, and um, they basically said that the Oilers just stunk last night. It was, um, you know, they said you could probably see it coming. After the big series and the way they played against Winnipeg, there was a bit of a drop-off. It'll be interesting to see what they get uh, and how they look tomorrow night in the rematch between these two clubs. Because as we said, Remus, I mean, I personally have already shut the door on the Calgary Flames after they lost that game in regulation in Montreal on Monday. I thought that was it. Um, But, I mean, they still are technically alive and... You know, I guess it's better to play with a sense of urgency and desperation at some point, even if it's too late. And it seems like that's what Calgary was doing last night. Matthew Kachuk, uh, you know, certainly from the highlights I saw, way more visible. And he'd been a guy that had been missing in action at times for Daryl Sutter's club right now. And, I mean, that sort of is a bit of a, a, a capsulation of what has haunted Calgary all year long. Inconsistent performances and a lack of, you know, urgency, especially in some of those games against Ottawa. And, um, well, that's why Calgary's in the situation that they are right now. But, I mean, I don't even know really what Edmonton has to play for right now after what they did to the Winnipeg Jets. I think they pretty much know where they're going to be at. They know who they're going to be playing. I'm sure the Edmonton Oilers feel very confident about playing Winnipeg considering they're on a six-game winning streak against the Winnipeg Jets. And, um... But, you know, these last couple of weeks are going to be important for these clubs because you don't want to um, finish the way the Jets did in 2019, playing your worst at the end of the season. Um, so in a way, and I talked about this on OB today as well, um, you know, the fact, the timing of this, you know, it's never good. But, you know, with the Jets being able to go out on the road, play three games over the course of a week before coming back and finishing at home, they do have some time to correct themselves, get back to their game. And that is going to be mandatory if they want to be competitive against likely the Edmonton Oilers in the first round best of seven. Yeah, I agree. And for the Jets, you know, they want to go and uh, figure out their line so they can be in a good position when they get to the playoffs. You're not scrambling and trying to uh, figure things out. I think, you know, I think we're definitely um, underlooked or overlooked how much the injuries to Nikolai Ehlers was going to hurt them and on top of missing Adam Lowry. And Adam Lowry not going to be in the lineup tonight, maybe Monday. I mean, he is on the trip, so I think that's a good sign. But we will, um, I mean, we'll wait and see for that. So they are rocking uh, the same thing. We'll see if the blender comes out. Um, I'll put the lines uh, at the bottom 
uh, here as as we go on. But um, you know the scoring has really dried up for the Jets. Someone also posted you know the power play penalty kill haven't been so hot lately. And again, not a time you want to you want to have all this go wrong. But look, there's nine games to figure this out. Maybe they can treat this almost I don't want to say like a preseason, but like a warm up for the playoffs and be like, okay, guys, we need to find our game and get it right and. It starts starts tonight on the road where they've played well this year against a Montreal team who they've played well against as well. So uh, Montreal struggling, so maybe they're catching them at the right time. Yeah, I mean, you're going <laughs> to just wait till you hear what Craig Button has to say about the Montreal Canadiens coming up in just a couple minutes when he joins us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You'll be quite interested to, uh, to hear all of that. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into some Jets talk. Habs, Jets tonight. Um, of course, the Jets on this road trip and then coming back to finish up the regular season. You know, two weeks left, seven games. I mean, it's not a lot of time, Reem, but a lot of things can happen. Heck, if you think about the way this team looked two weeks ago, they were coming off an incredibly successful month on the road um, and looking forward to challenging for first place. So we know how quickly things turned for the worse for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, they'll look to build towards erasing all of that and be playing well at the end of the regular season before we have to deal with Connor McDavid again. Because as I said, you know, we can talk here in this program and the Jets can game plan for the Oilers and figure all of those things out, how they're going to tackle Edmonton if they don't come back to doing the simple things, you know, playing with commitment, with consistency, making these simple passes, winning some battles, um, or doing more of that than they were, you know, in these games against the Edmonton Oilers. You know, it doesn't really matter who they're going to be playing. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, we saw the start of that on Wednesday night. Um, and that's why, Reem, I think tonight's game is quite important for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I think they absolutely have to build on this. And, you know, you'd like to see them win. But most importantly, you'd like to see them play a style of game that, you know, looks reminiscent of the winning team that, you know, basically earned their playoff spot through the first 40 games of the season. Five-game uh, winning losing streak? Um, it's crazy. I mean, they hadn't yeah even for a lost. team that hadn't lost more than yeah. two all season before that. And hey, you know, I don't know if you knew this, Hus, but the Leafs uh, just came off a five-game losing streak. <laughs> did you did you hear that one at all? Was anyone talking about that? Before? I did hear that. I did and, hear that. That was right about the time they came to Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, I think that, I think it was actually. And they came out and uh, they've been just like bullying everyone now in the North Division. Uh, the Jets last week. Alex Edler got bullied last night. We can we can talk about that. So maybe this is a good thing for the Jets. Maybe they'll figure it out. Hey, look, Connor Hellebuck said it last. You know, after last game, saving all the goals for the playoffs <laughs> when they're good, they're going to explode and it's going to be huge. So everyone in chat, watch out for that. Yeah, the balls are definitely going to need to be strapped on tonight. Um, maybe as well as they've been strapped on at any point in recent history for the Winnipeg Jets. That will be led by Andrew Kopp, of course. Um, and um, But it's interesting. I was listening to Pierre-Luc Dubois a little earlier. He was speaking about you know the fact that maybe it is a good time to get on the road. They all talked about how miserable the homestand was, but there is time to get things back on track. And you know they're hoping that we saw some signs of that on Wednesday night that they can carry into this evening. Um, you know, we heard, and you usually do hear from the French players on the Winnipeg Jets, both Matthew Perrault and Pierre-Luc Dubois spoke this morning. Um, and it was a quite an interesting and lengthy, Maurice spoke for about a good t- 10 minutes or so. And Scott Billick was asking him about the pressure that they're feeling internally and whatnot. And I think this 
hopefully this will be one of the areas where the experience of Coach Paul Maurice does the team well um, going into um, what has been, you know, a time, uh, you know, a, a real lean time, unlike anything that they've seen, um, well, since last season or maybe even the season before at the end of 2019. And we all know how that uh, that ended up. Remo, you brought up Alex Edler, and we may as well get to this right now. And I'm interested in uh, people that are with us live right now on YouTube and their thoughts last night. So Alex Edler knees Zach Hyman a few weeks ago, knocks him out of the Leafs lineup. He's missed a couple weeks. Edler was suspended, um, so he missed two games. And then last night had his first ever NHL fight against Leafs tough guy, Wayne Simmons. Mm -hmm. Um, It was pretty clear. Edler had no idea what he was doing, was essentially hanging on for dear life. He did drop the gloves. I mean, it wasn't like he just started getting punched in the face and didn't have any opportunity to bail out. So, I mean, I guess the old school people will give him, you know, props for taking his medicine. But I don't know. I mean, I get the code and I, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it in most cases. But is there not, you know, some fine print in the code that makes mention of a guy that's been in the league for a long time, that has never had a fight, that got suspended, that maybe they don't have to fight the heavyweight on the other team? I mean, I don't know. Something about what happened last night just left a bad taste in my mouth. Hey, don't do the crimes. You can't do the time. You need Hyman. You got you to pay the piper, man. What? Don't stick your knee out, or uh, Wayne Simmons is going to come after you. It doesn't matter if you never fought. You never played the game, Huss. You just don't understand. You can't say I that. I don't understand. You've, you've never been understand. in the room with those guys. They're like brothers, okay? They protect each other. Um, I mean, I don't know. How many fights has Simmons had, Reem? I saw he had like 77 career fights. So the, so here's the tale of tape, tale of the tape. Wayne Simmons oh, wait. probably got about a 50, you know, 55 and 22 lifetime record in the ring or with the gloves off, if you will. And then the newcomer, Alex Edler, career record, zero and zero, making his debut on the ice in the NHL's version of the UFC. Yeah, in all seriousness, um, I you know some people go- watch the UFC and say like, oh, this is uh, barbaric, and uh, you know two guys in a cage, it's like human cockfighting. I mean, UFC has more regulation in fighting than the NHL. And I don't know in what world. I mean, UFC at least has weight classes, and you know you actually have to fight. You know, have dropped the gloves before before you fight a heavyweight. So. I mean, it does look kind of si- it does look silly, um, but I don't know. It's within the rules, I guess, and I don't know. I mean, he served he served his two games. Hus, what what if he would have served yeah. as long as Hyman is out? Would that Aaron, have Aaron advocated for that? Aaron Schaunler, not with me on this one. What a soft take there, Hus. Oh. Reem has it bang on. Now oh, you made was... me say Reem. I think he was being kind of sarcastic, no, what... to be honest nope. with you. Yeah, my sarcasm <laughs> didn't come through. <laughs> I was trying to look. I can't be up here and, and being agreeing with you the whole time. I have to come with the with the tough guy take. You've Listen, never been I in get... the room. You've never yeah. played the game. <laughs> I've strapped on the skates. I played really high level hockey. If you went out and hit a guy in the other team. Even if it was a total accident, you had to drop the gloves. 
Give didn't matter if you never fought before. What? You don't train in the off season? Uh, but you know what? I will say this, and I, I am here for these takes. Um, you know, there is a way that the Leafs were doing it. Hey, the Leafs physically took it to the Jets, um, you know, in those games uh, here in Winnipeg. And, you know, there has been a lot of a lot of questions as to where some of that response has been here with the Jets after, you know, so many things that have happened, starting with the elbow to Adam Lowry. I mean, um, you know, certainly there was no one doing the Simmons job to Alex Galchenyuk, and I know there's a lot of people that would have liked to have seen that. And I'm sure, to be perfectly honest, if you pump the true serum into Paul Maurice, I'm sure he would have said the same thing. But game's a little different right now, and certainly the makeup of the Jet roster is a little bit right now, especially with the guy that got knocked out by that elbow that we haven't seen since in Adam Lowry. Yeah, I it was... You know, there was really no response. And people have said to me in the last week, are the Jets like the least physical team in the NHL? Now, you know, we don't see as many of the other teams, but I mean, they don't really have that heavyweight element that they had, you know, in their uh, 2018 uh, playoff team that they had in past teams where, you know, where you have guys like Bufflin and now, you know, Lowry's out who could hit. Bufflin just changed everything, though. I mean, having Bufflin in the lineup was, I mean, he, you know, I know Rick always used to call Anthony Peluso the nuclear option. You Mm -hmm. don't really have those nuclear options, but Buff is the closest thing, not to mention a guy that would spend 25 plus minutes a night out on the ice, unlike many enforcers who, you know, have to be put out and, you know, they get their three or four shifts and try and go exact revenge on whatever fourth liner they have to be playing against. But even like a guy who they used to have, Brandon Tanev, would, I mean, he's a small guy, but he would go in and, and he would lay the body on, on the third line. I don't know, they don't have that, um, you know, they don't have that guy who can go out and play physical uh, like they used to. Well, I mean, I think Adam Lowry is yeah. that guy. But and to be honest, Dubois was yeah. playing that way. I mean, especially in those games against uh, against the Leafs. And I think that's why Paul Maurice said those were his two best games of the uh, of his time here in Winnipeg. Um, Maurice didn't like his game on Monday. I don't think he liked anyone's game really on Monday. I um, did think it was a step forward um, coming up you know, with the game on Wednesday night. Um, but again, all that in the rearview mirror, although I'm sure we'll be talking about it, especially this Edmonton series going into the playoffs. Um, we do have Jets in Montreal tonight. We're going to get to that coming up with Craig Button in just a second. Um, before we do that, our sponsors, quickly a big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of Trevor and the incredible Not team? Um, pop by there this week, man, some of the Teslas they have on the lot are incredible, but so many different vehicles, makes, models, all there for you. Uh, and if you're in a vehicle right now that you're looking to maybe get out of, maybe a lease, they'll help you do that with their incredible consignment program. So you can go do that, Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at not.ca. And you're probably seeing uh, this lid right here. Got it yesterday over at Royal Sports. Um, the draft hats, at some points over the last few years, have stunk. This year, they're amazing. They look so good last night at the draft. I got so many comments on this one. If you want it or anything else under the sun, both licensed merchandise-wise, as well as spring equipment, camping, bikes, all of it. One stop, Royal Sports, 650 Rally in EK, or the Superstore, 750 Pembina Highway. All right, Hacksaw's going to come up. We will talk about the NFL draft a little bit later on. We'll also 
help you maybe get some picks ready for the Kentucky Derby with Kirk Contois, handicapper from Assiniboia Downs a little later on. But right now, let's hear from Craig Button. He had to go to the rink, so I caught up with him not even an hour ago in Plano, Texas, to talk Jets, Oilers, Habs, everything going on in the North Division, as well as Team Canada and what he's watching down in Texas at the World Under-18s. Here's Craig Button. It's always a pleasure to catch up with our good friend, TSN's Director of Scouting, coming to us from Plano, Texas at the World Under-18 Championships. It's Craig Button. Craig, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, well, my pleasure to join you, Hustler, and it's uh, it's always a pleasure to join you and chat with you. And it, It's interesting. I mean, as, as we were just talking prior to uh, getting on the air, uh, you know, it's a very different uh, environment and atmosphere down here in Texas. You know, people are wearing masks and there's social distancing and everything that goes with it. But everybody's uh, carrying on. Like, you know, there's nothing that's uh, restricted or closed. Uh, you know, precautions are being taken. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a very, very different place that Texas finds itself in than we have found ourselves in Canada. I guess the good news is, is that uh, we're getting more vaccines and a, and a real big supply of vaccines. And hopefully that gets us out of this third wave that is, uh, that is just, you know, hitting Canada from coast to coast. And, you know, we want to we put this behind us. And uh, I think we see light at the end of the tunnel. But at the same time, we we got to do our parts here in the next little while. Well, no doubt about that. And again, we'll get to the under-18s in a minute because I certainly do want to talk about some of the young Canadian talents and the players that you're looking at. But being here in Winnipeg on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we have to start <laughs> off with the local squad, Craig. And uh, it's been a pretty ugly couple of weeks for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, you know, some will say that you know this was bound to happen at some point and better to happen now than in a couple of weeks right when the playoffs started. But I mean, what do you make of uh, you know the Jets winless on this last homestand and really bottoming out on Monday night with their worst performance of the season coming off a game against the Leafs where Mark Scheifele was benched for the second period? There's been a lot going around this hockey team for the last week plus. Yeah, there has been. And I, I, I guess I'm going to give you the old glass half full. In fact, I'm going three quarters full, Hustler. And, you know, the, the Winnipeg Jets are a good team. And I, I think after the series against the Winnipeg or against the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, that was an opportunity to see if they could climb in the first place. And Toronto wins both those games. And so now that, uh, you know, that thinking, I think, uh, had to change because you're not going to catch the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and with it, you know, you have some injuries, right? Adam Lowry, you know, Nikolai Ehlers. And I think the good news is, is that it's positive that those players are going to get healthy in return. I, I think the Winnipeg Jets have been really, really smart here in saying, okay, you know, what is our ultimate goal here? Our ultimate goal is to give ourselves the best chance to be successful come playoff time. And, you know, if we don't, if we're not healthy and we're not, uh, you know, in, in a place where our, our, our real important key players are, are ready to give everything they have because the players are always give everything they have but if you're injured or you're hurt or you're not capable it's going to affect you and I think the Winnipeg Jets have said we know what our team is we're going to work to try to get healthy and we're going to allow those players to heal so that when the playoffs do start that the Winnipeg Jets are ready to you know to ready for takeoff and I think that the way the Winnipeg Jets have played this year when they've been really good, and they've been really good for good long stretches, and I think that they're getting themselves primed. The other thing that I would add to that is look what happened last year when they played the Calgary Flames and they ran into injuries. It didn't matter how hard they played. 
they weren't able to recover from it. And I think it's the benefit of that experience to say, here's what we got to do. And whether they finish second or they finish third, I think they're comfortable playing whoever they want to play in the first round and giving themselves the best chance. That's how I look at it. So there's my three quarters glass half full. Well, you know, I mean, it certainly does look like we're on a collision course for a Jets-Oilers first-round uh-huh. matchup. It was hard to imagine things shaking. I guess it is possible, but it's highly likely that that will be the case. And I can tell you that it, it, he may not be in the Jets' heads, but Connor McDavid is most definitely <laughs> in Jets' fans' heads. He's got 22 points against the Winnipeg Jets this season, and the Oilers have now won six straight games. How do you put that behind you? Or... You know, use that to make you better come playoff time, Craig. Well, I, I'm going to jump on the uh, second part. Like, you know, you, you're going to have to have a plan for Connor McDavid. And is it to completely keep him off the score sheet? I, I mean, that's your optimal plan, but it's, I don't think it's realistic. So what you want to try to do is, is minimize uh, the impact the, to the greatest extent possible that Connor McDavid has. You know, so, so how do you do that? Well, you know what? You're going to have to be really disciplined. I, I, the Winnipeg Jets are a hard team. They're a heavy team, and they're not afraid to try to make you uncomfortable. But you, you can't take penalties. Number one, like so, don't give him any more opportunities that he's going to get. Number two, right? Like when when you're playing with the puck, and he's you got to be aware of when he's on the ice because even if he's 160 feet away from your net, he's dangerous. So don't give him opportunities to be dangerous. You know, make him play. You know, playoff hockey is about making your, the, the opponent's best players play below the circles in their own zone. The Jets can do that with their heavy forwards and their ability to play. In the, you, you just cannot be loose with the puck. you got to be really strong. Think back to the St. Louis Blues uh, a couple of years back, uh, Hustler, and you think back to how the Blues en uh, route to winning the stand. They never gave the puck away in the neutral zone. They never gave away the puck at their own blue line. They never gave a puck away at their opposition blue line. And so now everything they were going to earn, they were going to have to do it. They were not going to help anybody along the way. That's what the Winnipeg Jets have to do against the Edmonton Oilers and specifically Connor McDavid if, if you're looking at planning for a series against the Oilers. You know, Craig, head coaches in the National Hockey League, excuse me, especially now, uh, with the exception maybe of John Tortorella, rarely play the card of benching their star center. Um, You know, there had been times where Mark Scheifele had maybe been a little iffy defensively or had a longer shift in the past. It never happened. And then Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, big game against the Leafs, number 55 is on the bench for 17 minutes in the second period. What did you take from that? And and, And what is Paul Maurice, and why do you think he decided that this was a time that that was the right move for he and the hockey club and the player. Well, yeah, uh, Hustler, yeah, I think he just captured all three of those things here. Okay, so the Winnipeg Jets fans have, have had the benefit of watching Paul Maurice operate. And I, I, I don't think anybody would say that Paul Maurice is, is not fair that he's or that he's rash. You know, I think that Paul Maurice will take the position that I'm going to give you a little bit more opportunity. But there does come a point, and, and I'm jumping on your uh, description, What's best for the team? You know, I just talked about the playoffs, and I talked about the emphasis on the details and the disciplines of the playoffs. As you're trying to get those in place and make sure that they're firmly in place, I call it sharpening the saw, and you have your top player, one of your key top players, not adhering to it. And trust me, Paul didn't just say you're benched. 
He had talked to him and talked to him and talked to him. So by the time it got to the point where Mark Scheifele uh, ended up on the bench, Mark Scheifele had earned his spot on that bench fully and completely to steal a line from the tragically hip. So, you know, I and, and what I love about Scheifele and I love it about Connor Hellebuck, they're, they're great competitors and they're mad. Well, guess what? Don't be mad at Paul Maurice. Be mad at yourselves <laughs> because you were the architects of your own uh, placement being pulled from that game that Connor Hellebuck uh, got pulled from and Mark Scheifele ended up on the bench. And, you know, a coach, as you well know, has to have the respect of all the other players. How can he be demanding of another player when he when, when another player is not doing what needs to be done? And Paul has the respect. It's not an easy decision. Nobody would do it. Paul doesn't do it. He doesn't do it with uh, any type of uh, uh, vendetta or any type of personal agenda. But it becomes necessary for the team. So I look at it as something that uh, if Paul Maurice is doing that, those players that get benched should take a good, long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and realize they were the reason they got benched and Paul Maurice wasn't doing anything untoward. Well, and Craig, it sets up a pretty interesting matchup tonight between two teams that are looking to find themselves with a couple weeks left in the season. The Winnipeg Jets and, of course, the Montreal Canadiens, who have had their fair share of um, mishaps over the course of the last little while as well, albeit both teams look destined to uh, compete for the Cup in the Final Four. Uh, I mean, they do, right? And, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's fair. But Montreal right now is limping. Like, a, a, a 10 day Monday, I thought the Calgary Flames were, were, were done. I, I really did. I said, okay, they lost to Montreal. There's no, I'm not so sure they're done anymore because the Montreal Canadiens look like a team that could lose all the rest of their games. That, 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 that's, how, that's, how, that's how, I don't want to say wounded, but they are limping. And, and there's no area of their game. You know, one of the things, you've watched hockey and football and sports for a long time. You watch a team, like their spirit looks completely broken. Their spirit looks like, like get, get us done with this. It's just like, put us out. And I'm not so sure now that Montreal, I, I was giving them every benefit of the doubt, oh, they'll win so many games. I, I'm not there now. And let me tell you, the Winnipeg Jets now have an opportunity to go and take advantage of a team. Like, I thought Calgary on Monday night against uh, Montreal, Montreal was waiting to be had. And I, and I thought Calgary was really not determined or focused determination. I think if Winnipeg comes and just establishes their game, has that focused determination, you know, start to make sure you do the things that will give you success, I, I think they can really get Montreal uh, uneasy and uncomfortable about the playoffs. And, and in the same breath, get their team, get their team moving forward and out of this funk. You know, you don't want to continue having to answer questions. Well, you know, you haven't won in so many games. You, you want to get out of that. And the closer you get to the playoffs, <laughs> you don't want to have these questions looming over your head. You know, it, it's amazing that the, the Flames have not been, I mean, officially kind of done uh, with this season. And, you know, they won those two head-to-head games on the weekend against Montreal. And you're right. I mean, the opportunity was there for the taking to really make it interesting. Um, you've covered this team, worked for the team before. What do you make of the season they've had? And how different will the Flames be in the off season, considering what they went through, including the coaching change with Daryl Sutter now back in town? 
Well, the coaching change is significant because, you know, Daryl is, is really been trying to, you know, instill a, a system of team play that doesn't give up very much. And he, he doesn't want to stifle anybody from scoring, but you know, you got to find that balance, right. And you're, and, and, and I think, there's, you can, I can see signs of them finding it. I mean, there's no better time right now to really see how it's working with players and your team than with a potential playoff push here in important games where you'd have no mar- you have little margin, if any, for error. But, you know, as you talk about the offseason, you know, I, I really feel that now, the next weeks, and if they get into the playoffs, it really is a continuous evaluation for next year and what's going on in the future and how the team will look and how the team responds to Daryl. Because Daryl's going to be there. And the reason Daryl was brought in was to get this team on a path where they can move and, and, and be a, a, a better contender, a team that's not a hopeful contender, but a serious contender. And I'm not talking about Stanley Cup because they're still two steps away from there but the next step has to be hey we're going to move ourselves up and when you look at the let's just talk about the north division there's no question that edmonton and winnipeg and toronto are in that next phase like they're moving to that next phase calgary's got lots of question marks you want to try to get them answered i would think sooner rather than later craig button is with us uh, from plano texas where Team Canada and the rest of the young stars of the world under 18s are going at it. Craig, before we talk about the teams and the players in the games, you going to kind of mention that things seem a little more normal in and around Dallas, but how does this tournament compare to the other under 18s considering what we've been through the last year? I mean, I imagine there's a number of players that this is the first time that scouts are even getting a chance to, you know, see them live in person and um, they might hear their names called in a couple months of the draft. Well, they're going to hear their names called, and, you know, players want to put their best foot forward at every turn. And, you know, that's just the competitive nature of the players. That's the, that's the, that's the drive they have to not only be good players, but to show the scouts in the NHL teams, hey, I'm worthy of drafting. You know, the NHL scouts, you know, since last April, and I go back even to, to the pause, no playoffs, no U18, no summer Halinka, no tournaments where, you know, you have these international tournaments in November and February leading to the U18, where you get to evaluate players against one another. And it's not only just watching players, uh, you know, uh, in their own environment. You've missed playoff games. You've missed championships. You've missed that contest where players get into the Five Nations tournament and they, they like a Simon Evanson is excited about competing against a, a Luke Hughes. And, and now you get to contrast that. You, you, you don't have, this is the first time they're going to be able to see, it's a best on best tournament. And now you're going to be able to see these players competing best on best. So for the NHL scouts, and, and there's nothing to be made up uh, from last March till now, but this is a significant opportunity for the scouts to really evaluate the players and see how they fare vis-a-vis with the rest of the class and also how 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 they fare competing against one another in games um let's focus in on team canada i mean it was a pretty incredible start to the tournament what they whooped the swedes was it 12-1 and um shane wright everyone was talking about shane wright coming into the tournament certainly if you've been paying attention to the western uh, western hockey league's east bubble Everyone has been, rightly so, talking about Connor Bedard. A um, couple underage players have been sort of the talk of the tournament, but this tournament, for the most part, is really about draft-eligible players, Craig. And I guess Canada's got both. 
Well, they do. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we always get excited about the next uh, wave of players. and It's no different with uh, uh, Shane Wright or Connor Bedard, but Dylan Gunther is a top-notch player. I mean, he's a player that's going to go early in the draft, and certainly uh, there's people that have them, you know, are looking at him at, at the very top. Brad Clark, uh, the defenseman, I mean, he's magnificent. He, he's got so many qualities in his game that make him a high-end defenseman. And then you have Mason McTavish. I mean, I think all three of those players are going in the top ten, and maybe a couple of them are going to go in the top five. Maybe all three will go in the top five because McTavish is that big centerman that's so good, right? You got the right shot, uh, Brant Clark, the defenseman, and then you have Gunther, <laughs> the, the the supremely skilled uh, winger out of Edmonton. So, you know, when you get a chance to see these players in this environment and, and really shining, I mean, really shining. I mean, it becomes uh, something that gives the scouts and the NHL teams much more confident to say, this is our guy. I don't know if you watched the NFL draft on Thursday night. but oh, I did. Yeah, you did. So <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers were on everybody's kind of radar. What were they going to do trading up and everything, right? But to listen to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch after talk about, you know, how much they wanted uh, – you know the guy they got from North Dakota State, the the, the quarterback. Oh, Trey Lance, yeah. Trey Lance, but they but they talked like they talked about okay. Here's here's where we we never would have had the opportunity if we were stayed at uh, at the where they were originally. But now they got to meet with other players, and they talked about the confidence you have in meeting somebody and talking to somebody. It's the same thing with the NHL scouts. The confidence that they want to gain by watching players perform at a high level against other really helps when they call out the players' names at the draft. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I've got to ask you about Connor Bedard. I mean, I, I've had a chance to watch a little bit of him from uh, highlights and whatnot from the WHL, and we knew, man, this 15-year-old kid is going to play at the world under 18s. Um, is he? Uh, how would you compare him to other players we've seen in the past that have been the exceptional players playing at that level at 15 years old? Well, I mean, there's very few of them that have played at, at, at this level at 15. I mean, Connor McDavid did in 2013, but not very many other it's players. Short list. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I mean, Connor was brilliant in 2013. Canada won a gold medal. I, I think the beautiful thing for Connor's a really good player, obviously. I'm, I'm stating the obvious. But with the team and the high end talent they have here, it doesn't all have to lay on Connor Bedard's shoulders. But the thing with outstanding players and top end players, they want to be excellent in top end all the time. And that's what separates them. And Connor's no different here. I, I can tell you from the first period to the second period into the last game against Latvia, he's confident. He's, he's not a player that's, you know, oh, how should I do things? Or He's confident in his play. He's not 16 until July. Like, you know, and, and you can just see that confidence is only going to grow. And and he has qualities that are really, really significant. I mean, the brain is is, is tremendous. The feet work are, are so good. The hands. And he's always probing. He's probing. He's looking for opportunities. He's looking where he can exploit something. And when you have the skill that he does, more times than not, he's able to take advantage when he sees something that's uh, to his liking. And, you know, he's, I, I just think is two games in, 
by the time they get to the quarterfinal on Monday, I think you're going to see an even more confident Connor Bedard. Uh, Shane Wright is not going to play in the in the game against Switzerland on Friday night. The, it's it, it's nothing COVID related. It's just a little bit when players haven't played for a long time, you might get a little bang or a little uh, uh, stretch here. They just want to be careful with them. Switzerland and, and Belarus are not going to pose a challenge for Team Canada for finishing first. So really, it is about getting him ready. You know, you know, no back to back. He can play Saturday if everything goes well. Day off, play Monday, day off, and then get into the semifinals. They're really just trying to protect uh, the health of the player. And when you haven't played for a long time, it becomes. And I'm talking about since last March. <laughs> You, you know, it doesn't take doesn't take much to twist something or to get a little bit of a tightness in your groin. And I, you know, for Hockey Canada, they're just trying to make sure that when it gets to the important times, the chain's ready to go. TSN 5 tonight, 8 p.m. It's Canada and Switzerland is the coverage from the World Under 18 Championships continue. Craig, I know you got to get to the rink. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we can catch up soon, maybe around playoff time, talk a little bit more Jets and get all your thoughts from this tournament and what that means for the upcoming NHL draft. Whenever you want me, you got me. Oh, you're the best, Craig. Thanks so much. Have a great one. Yeah, thank you. All right, man, that was great stuff with Craig Button. Always appreciate having Craig on the program. And uh, again, man, the talent. We'll be talking a lot about these young under-18ers come June for the NHL draft. So you might want to check them out right now. Although, Bedard, right, we'll still uh, we'll have another year or two before we're talking about them for the draft. All right, speaking of drafts, NFL draft was last night. We're going to welcome in our good friend, the Hacksaw Lee Hamilton, in just a second. But before we do that, uh, all these want to thank our friends Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's for their support. Again, right now, seven days a week after 8 p.m., it's the two for $5 treat deal with the small cones, dip cones, or small Sundays. You can do that. And if you were planning on, um, you know, a little bit of a party, maybe a family event right now because we can't gather together, why don't you... Uh, Kick it up a notch. Get one of those custom DQ cakes. Nick and Nikki will do that. And you can get them on Instagram, all four together, at DQ Manitoba. Make arrangements through there. We've had some of our listeners already do that with uh, some great success so far. And we've got to give a shout-out to Boston Pizza. And, man, it is a big, big week coming up because it is Pizza Week. Now, get these. Um, We've got the Walking in Memphis Pizza. Fried chicken tenders tossed in a kickin' Memphis sauce, bacon, tomatoes, cheddar cheese melted over BP's signature pizza sauce, all on a uh, the fresh press drove with a garlic sesame seed crust topped with crisp shredded lettuce and a creamy buttermilk ranch drizzle. They're also going to be firing out the California shrimp pizza with a light pesto base, saputo matza, savory prosciutto, cherry tomatoes, crumbled chevre, and tender shrimp. The California Shrimp Pizza is available at Boston Pizza Charleswood and at all 11 BP Winnipeg locations by calling 925-4111. And the walking in Memphis is over at Boston Pizza Keniston. And they've also got the playoff pizza flight. We're talking about the pizza flights are amazing. We've had a couple of them already. Three different mini pizzas, three dips. But the playoff pizza flight has a spicy pierogi, a meteor, and a bourbon barbecue chicken pizza. And all of those goes great with a nice cold Vizzy or a Sub-Zero Coors Light. Now, before we get to Hacksaw, 
we're going to give away one of the walking in Memphis pizzas. We had a large pie to give away. What I want you to do for those of you that are live with us in the chat, we'll announce a winner at the end of the program is to, we're going to have to use Twitter for this one just because we can't message people through YouTube. So fire up your Twitter, either respond to one of our Winnipeg sports talk tweets, or just tweet at us at sports talk WPG, put in Memphis and tag at Boston pizza WPG. You can do that right now. Memphis and at Boston Pizza WPG to us at Sports Talk WPG. We'll announce our pizza winner a little bit later on in the program. All right, let's get down to business. It's been, it ha- the Fridays have not been the same for the last few months since we've made the switch over. Um, but it's always fun to welcome in the legend Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and Lee for the first time. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's so great to talk to you again. Hustler, good to be with you. Technology is unbelievable, but I must ask this question before we te- peek inside the NFL notebook. What's on your lid? What is that lid? Hat? This is my beautiful new draft hat that I got yesterday from our sponsor, Royal Sports. I've had so many comments on it. People wondering where you can get them. They've got all the teams. Go down to Royal, pick them up. You know, Lee, we watched the draft over and over again. In the last few years, some of the hats have been ugly as hell to be honest with you but uh, I think the NFL did a great job this year with this one and uh, as I said I'm still even though we were embarrassed in the Super Bowl by Tom Brady of all people and the Buccaneers I'm uh, still a very excited cheese fan as they look to get back on top there's absolutely no accounting for bad taste in Winnipeg but if you're going to do that then I have to represent here (laughs) as a longtime voice of the San Diego Chargers so Score the scoreboard is now tied. All right, let's I like talk it. NFL draft. I like it. The uh, the AFC West rivalry is real. Um, Lee, it was all about quarterbacks going in, um, and then a certain quarterback hijacked the draft. Before we talk about everyone that got picked, um, I've got to ask you: What was your reaction when you heard the Aaron Rodgers news yesterday, reported by all the NFL insiders? And what did you make of the timing of said? trade need announcement uh, coming up three, four hours before Trevor Lawrence heard his name called. Yeah, Andrew, I thought it was all staged. It made no sense to me at all. Uh, If indeed uh, Aaron Rodgers and David Dunn, the agent, wanted to be traded, this should have become public a lot earlier. Uh, Green Bay has obviously tried to do a contract restructure with him, rejected, tried to do a extension that's been rejected. Uh, if he wants out, he should have made this known a month ago. It would have given Green Bay an enormous amount of time to try to lay the groundwork if they wanted to move a 32-year-old quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of issues here. I, I just think they tried a power play. I thought the timing was wrong. And now there's damage done. Uh, I, I don't know how Green Bay solves this. He is still in grudge mode for what happened a year ago as it relates to the Jordan Love drafting uh, you know, at the end of the day, Green Bay has to get a quarterback for the future. Future might be three years from now. At the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers still has three years, $66 million left on the contract. Now, I think what Green Bay will probably wind up doing will be guaranteeing uh, the final two years of the deal, which means all three and $66 million will be guaranteed. But, you know, the Packers, Packers drafted the quarterback out of Utah State last year when they bypassed wide receivers. They bypassed offensive linemen. So it just it, it left a bad taste in his mouth. But Rodgers is a great quarterback. You don't trade MVPs. Uh, and there's a salary cap issue here, too. If Green Bay reached the end of the road with him, they'd take a $31 million salary cap hit. And I, I know there had been talk that San Francisco might have made a, a proposal, uh, but that also involved Jimmy Garoppolo, 
Well, Green Bay would take a $31 million hit. San Francisco, if they try to move Garoppolo, is going to take a $25 million salary cap hit. So who in the world can swallow those, those type of cap hits in a year in which the salary cap is, is you know, limited and somewhat flat? I don't know how they're going to put this fire out. It's, it's a big issue. That's a great player. Green Bay knows he's a great player. Green Bay management's being ridiculed right now for screwing this up, not dealing with it a year ago, or maybe not even drafting Jordan Love a year ago. But Green Bay knows what its blueprint is. So, uh, I, you know, Green Bay did announce late last night at the end of the first round, Hustler, that, that Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback and they were not going to trade their quarterback. I really think what Green Bay wanted to say, because I think Green Bay's really peeved about this, I think Green Bay really wanted to say, all right, Rodgers, you decide. Do you want to be a quarterback or do you want to be a game show host? And I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if they want to call us bluff. I don't know that Rodgers would quit at this point, but hopefully they'll solve it. But yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings right now. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about Carson Palmer back when he wanted out of Cincinnati and said, "Okay, fine, I'm just going to retire," and he did. Um, and then took a year off and ended up, you know, being traded to the Raiders and moving on with his career. What do you think the chances are that the Packers open up week one with somebody other than number 12 at center? I don't think so. Uh, Only because of the salary cap implications and only because of the fact that this is still a great talent. He had an MVP type season. You know, the two years that he has had with Matt LaFleur, he's done really, really well. So I, my gut feel is that this, I'm not going to say much ado about nothing because I think he wants a contract extension and he wants the whole package guaranteed. And I do think he's peeved about what happened a year ago in April at, at last year's draft. But, boy, at the end of the day, that's a, that's a tremendous talent. That's a pretty good football team, and they're continuing to add uh, young players, notably on the defensive side. So I, I hope they find a common ground, a middle ground. I'd be shocked. I do know this, that in history, you know, at the end of the Brett Favre run in Green Bay, Andrew, there was a lot of issues with – Favre. Am I going to play? Do I want to play? Do I care if I play? Do you care about me if I play? And I think Green Bay got tired of that because that went on for two straight years. And then finally, he wound up going to a couple different teams before his career ended. Uh, Rodgers should finish his stay in Green Bay. And that's a pretty good team. It's not a reclamation rebuild project right now. It's still a pretty good team even though he doesn't think the front office has done a good job. Yeah, well, I mean, and listen, if I'm Rodgers and I think of what they needed, and it, it honestly, it really does go back to last year's draft. I mean, trading up to take Jordan Love, his potential replacement, when they had such clear needs at wide receiver, and then maybe the salt in the wound saw was the Vikings getting Justin Jefferson and, you know, them having to watch him twice head-to-head um, and every weekend go on and be the guy that, frankly— the Green Bay Packers needed, and then going and getting a running back in the second round. I mean, I don't think anyone understood what the Packers were doing last year, most importantly Aaron Rodgers, and it seems like they haven't really gotten over that, at least between the quarterback and the uh, and the front office. Uh, Andrew, you always plan your draft not only for what you're going to do on draft day, but you always look down road for what's going to happen uh, a year from now. And they should have realized, should have known, that there might be four great quarterbacks in the first round, maybe even more in this year's draft. So I don't know that there was a massive urgency to take Jordan Love when they did, but they did. And I I do believe Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for a couple of years and learned and became great. I think their plan was it, it worked with Aaron Rodgers as the heir apparent. Let's get his heir apparent, groom him for a couple of three years, and then see what he becomes. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of question marks about Green Bay's M.O. 
uh, method of operation here as it relates to a quarterback of the future. Yeah, well, well, Aaron Rodgers sucked up all the oxygen in the room heading into the draft. It was about the young men that were hearing their names called last night, and they were five quarterbacks picked in the top half of the draft. Trevor Lawrence at one. Zach Wilson goes to the Jets at two. And then things got interesting, and the real suspense was about the number three pick. And it wasn't Mac Jones, as so many people had said. It was Fargo, North Dakota, NDSU product, Trey Lance. Um, maybe just a quick comment on the top two. And then what was your reaction when you heard the Niners go to the podium and select Lance and not Fields or Mac Jones, who had been rumored maybe to be going to the Niners? Well, let's start with Jacksonville at one. Uh, they had brought on 12 veteran free agents from other teams. Uh, Urban Meyer is the coach. He is a quarterback guru type leader, develops quarterbacks. Uh, they do throw the football. Trevor Lawrence is the complete package. Everybody that I've spoken to says Trevor Lawrence is the next Peyton Manning. That's a that's a pretty good comparison. So Jacksonville's got a major rebuild ahead of it, but they put a lot of new people in place, and they got a leader who knows offense uh, in Urban Meyer. Uh, in terms of the Jets, new leadership. Uh, Robert Soleil brings unbelievable energy. Uh, they they not only got the quarterback of the future in getting the kid from Brigham Young. But they also, later in the first round, got a tackle guard out of USC, uh, Alija Vera Tucker. And this comes on the heels of last year's drafting of Becton, the massive tackle they got from the University of Louisville. So they've put some things in place around that kid quarterback, and we'll see what Zach Wilson uh, becomes, how fast his learning curve is. The third pick, to me, was, was a surprise. I mean, this is a huge gamble. The, the 49ers hustler traded three number one draft picks. They traded this year's pick and they traded two future number ones for a quarterback from one double A football. Now he may turn out to be great. We don't know that yet. Uh, He's only played 16 or 17 games at North Dakota state, but they must see a lot of the qualities of Colin Kaepernick. They must see a lot of the qualities of Patrick Mahomes and Trey Lance. He's big, strong arm, physical, moves the pocket, can run with the football, but that's one double A football. And Hustler, you know, you know how big a distance it is from Fargo, North Dakota to a National Football League stadium on a Sunday. Uh, San Francisco still has Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough time trading him. Uh, the $25 million cap hit is one. Garoppolo's missed 32 games in his last three years. The injury factor, the health factor, I think scares some teams away too. And even though he's had a good year and a half as a starting quarterback in San Francisco, he's not just not been able to stay on the field. Uh, I, I was surprised the price they paid for a one double A quarterback. But again, they, they know these guys. They interview these guys. They zoom forever with these guys. Uh, they looked at what video they could look at in one double A football. Uh, Andrew, they must really be of the opinion that this guy's got Mahomes in him, that this guy's got Kaepernick in him with his ability, his capability, his ability to see the field. He's a smart guy. So San Francisco, we'll see. If this does not work, they've really crippled themselves with the cap, and maybe they've crippled their team. Yeah, this is an all-in move, and Kyle Shanahan's fingerprints all over it. You know, when he was selected, then there was a little bit more waiting for some of the QBs. And, you know, we wondered when we would hear Justin Fields' names. And Mac Jones, of course, was also a guy that, you know, was thought that could maybe go as high as three. But if he didn't go, how far would he fall? Very interesting landing spots for those two quarterbacks. The Bears make an aggressive trade to move up to 11 
and they get Justin Fields. And then Bill Belichick probably just sitting back uh, wherever he was with the, uh, with an evil laugh cackling as Mac Jones falls to the Patriots. What about those two picks and the fits for those two quarterbacks with their new franchises? Well, this better work in Chicago or all those guys are going to be unemployed. Uh, you know, understand this, that they, they paid a, a price to go up to get Justin Fields. Uh, now that kid played two good years at Ohio State. Uh, the, the ceiling on him is pretty high. Uh, they, they believe he is such a really good athlete, such a strong arm, and has been pretty accurate over the course of his two years with the Buckeyes, that they got a star in the making. But it takes time. And, of course, there's a history of failure at quarterbacks at Ohio State, dating back to not just Dwayne Haskins more recently in Washington, but prior to that, Terrell Pryor and a few others. Uh, Chicago, understand this. They paid this price to get this guy after paying that price a couple years ago to go get Mitch Trubisky, and that blew up in their face. And on top of that, and you know Chicago fan is always in grudge mode when it comes to (laughs) bear quarterbacks. Chicago fan is saying, you guys did that, you took Trubisky, but you bypassed Deshaun Watson and the other bright light quarterback, and now you've done this and you're asking us to trust you again after you failed with Trubisky? So this doesn't work out in Chicago. Those guys will be applying for jobs to do sports talk in Winnipeg next year if this does not work out. Uh, In terms of New England, um, I don't know that Belichick wanted to pay a price of two number ones to trade high. I think he was probably surprised that Mac Jones tumbled the way he did down that board to get there to 15. But understand that Mac Jones is a different breed of quarterback. He's cut from a different cloth. He is he's not Trevor Lawrence, obviously, from a physical size standpoint. And he's not the athlete that, say, Justin Fields is. Uh, but but he, he managed games really well. He made a lot of plays has an intellect in the pocket, a sense of how to handle the pocket and pressure. He did throw 41 touchdown passes this past season, only four interceptions in Alabama, but he was playing at Alabama. And look how many first-round picks uh, took off the Crimson Tide colors last night and went in the first round. But they'll put him in a good situation. He's going to learn, learn a lot under Josh McDaniels. But he's the intellect, and I think he can consume the playbook, and they'll bring him along. And there's no urgency that he plays the first weekend in Foxborough because they do have Cam Newton. And Josh McDaniels got along with Cam Newton. And even though Cam Newton did not have a great statistical season, uh, he showed leadership in the locker room. And he was really competitive, although he got banged up a little bit. Uh, It is kind of weird to think an NFL team would have a starting quarterback only throw eight touchdown passes. That's what happened last year in Foxborough with Cam Newton. We'll see if he's better the second year along now that he's a year and a half removed from the surgery on the shoulder. Uh, but, but the future is Mac Jones, and we'll just see how they bring him along and how quickly he moves. And it's obvious to me they've given up on Jared Stidham, uh, and they didn't, they didn't talk to other people about making a deal. They, I thought at one point they were going to go make a bid on Ryan Fitzpatrick as he was leaving Miami. I thought maybe they would try to rent Andy Dalton. That did not happen. So uh, they, they got space. Now, New, England, New England's got to get some more skilled people there. They did sign eight or nine veteran free agents, a bunch of them on the offensive side, uh, led by the wide receiver Kendall Bourne from Frisco and Nelson Aguilar, who came after that great season with the Raiders. So they'll have more playmakers around whoever the quarterback is. But 
they still they still need to reap a bonanza in the draft because their drafts recently have not been very good. Lee, I've got to ask you about the Bengals. This is a team that just never seems to get it together. Um, they can't help themselves by looking at the shiny toys like the great receivers and pass on legit elite offensive line talent to protect their number one quarterback. The last time we saw Joe Burrow, he was on a cart getting taken out of Cincinnati Stadium. Um, it seemed the prudent thing to do would be to go and protect the number one overall pick from last year's draft, and yet they go receiver again. Some some of the guys on ESPN referred to it as malpractice. Are you that far on that? I mean, what what are the what are the Bengals thinking when they just go with all the offensive toys and forget about the foundation of what makes a good football team? Well, there's no doubt they've always under under Mike Brown the always like the shiny object, the shiny name on the board. Uh, over the past group of years, they, they took kids out of the Pac-12 where I'm based here on the West Coast. And I said, really? First-round draft pick for wide receiver John Ross had one good year at the University of Washington and did absolutely nothing when he got to Cincinnati. Uh, that being said, they, they do have Jonah Williams, the number one draft pick two years ago. He was a starter and then got, got hurt, is fully recovered. They did spend money to sign very serviceable right tackle, big guy in Riley Reef. Uh, there are a number of offensive linemen at the top of the board, at the top of the second round. They're going to be able to go get an offensive lineman. I think they just felt that, aside from being a shiny object, Jamar Chase is a big-time football player. And you add Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow and a couple of young guys that they force-fed that developed pretty good last year. So they're going to move the football. But you know, spinning back to your original premise, I was surprised that they bypassed uh, Sewell out of Oregon. Panay Sewell is a really good tackle, really good guard, big kid, 6'6", 3'10". Uh, I thought they'd get him and maybe have the next Anthony Munoz uh, at left tackle. But, uh, you know, their their feeling was that they needed to get more firepower around the quarterback and the running back, Joe Mixon. Uh, I will say this, that historically Cincinnati has, has had bad luck with injuries with their first-round picks over the last group of years. And Burrow, I think he took 31 sacks last year and half a season and 50 other hits. So they they should have looked more, but maybe their feeling is they'll find a pretty good old lineman at the top of the second round when this thing starts in a couple hours. Yeah, well, they certainly, uh, I'm sure that's at the top of the to-do list, but they missed on a guy that they maybe just could have plunked down and not thought about it for the next 10 years playing in front of Joe Burrow. Uh, speaking of O-line, the Chargers... Uh, did not have to move up. They get Slater falling to them at 13. Was this the best-case scenario for uh, for the, the Chargers? I think they breathed a sigh of relief uh, when the 12th pick in front of them, Minnesota, which probably was going to take a lineman, traded out. Uh, I think they breathed a sigh of relief when the Giants, who needed line help, traded back. Uh, and, then, and then the kid from Northwestern fell to them. He's a pretty good football player. He's a complete football player, plays both sides intellect. I mean, Northwestern's got a great football program under Pat Fitzgerald. So that was a positive. So they got them, they got themselves an anchor to play on the left side. He's not a prototype guy in terms of long arms and all that, but geez, he's a warrior and he's got great feet and he's got great strength. And last night in his interview, he used the word technician and the scouting report stuff that I've read have indicated that this kid knows the science of what it's like to play left tackle and play right tackle, and he did it really, really well in the Big Ten Conference in a program that's not great. I mean, he was their star blocking the other guy's star 
over the last group of years and did very, very well. It is interesting, though, when you look at what happened elsewhere uh, in the AFC West, you know, Kansas City's draft pick wound up being a trade. And Kansas City, and we have not talked in a couple of weeks, Kansas City wound up getting four offensive linemen in the offseason. And they traded for Orlando Brown. And that guy is a stud. And he goes in to be their left tackle. And they paid an enormous amount of money to get New England's Pro Bowl guard, Joe Thurney, who was left unprotected. And then they went out and they got a center. And then they got another lineman. And they're going to get Levert Tardif, the doctor who was in Montreal, opted out last season. He's coming back. They're going to have, in essence, a brand new offensive line in Kansas City. Uh, the Raiders, I don't understand what they're doing. <laughs> they, they, ah, the they, Raiders. They think about always like shiny new objects. Uh, so John Gruden and those guys get rid of that offensive line. All those veterans who were cornerstones that had made them really competitive and helped Derek Carr a great deal got rid of all those guys. And then he reached to get the Alabama tackle, Alex Leatherwood, in the first round. And he was projected to be a mid to late second round draft pick. So that's a little bit of a surprise to me. But the Raiders do things from a very unorthodox manner. They have not done well in the draft under Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Only time will tell whether Alex Leatherwood can replace the guys that were on that right side of the offensive line. And then the other one was what Denver did. Uh, you know, Den Denver's kind of shopping around looking for another quarterback to compete with Drew Locke, and they wound up at the last minute making the Teddy Bridgewater deal. And then I, I think they were really amazed as, as the draft unfolded towards them in the middle of the first round. I think they were really amazed to, to find Patrick Sertain there from Alabama. He kind of tumbled a little bit. So they swooped in and get him. And, of course, Vic Fangio is a defensive guy. And I think that they had their choice. They could have drafted uh, the linebacker from Penn State, Micah Parsons, or they could have drafted Sertain. They went for the cornerback, who's a really, really good athlete. So it's been interesting to observe what's happened in the AFC West out here. Hey, uh, Hacksaw, before we go, uh, we, we were only one round down. We've got six more. I'm heading into round two tonight. Um, what are you looking for? What intrigues you the most about the players left or the teams that will be up at the top of round two? Well, who's left on the board from Alabama? Those guys are going to go in the second round. Uh, they've got a couple of more offensive linemen, which is spinning back to what we talked about Cincinnati. I, I think those guys are going to go uh, – this is not a great year for running backs. The top two running backs came off the board at the tail end. I, I thought Pittsburgh getting Najee Harris from Alabama was a really good acquisition. Uh, there are wide receivers. You can always find speed guys that you can coach up and teach. So I think there'll be a run on wide receivers in the second round. This was not a phenomenal defensive draft. A very few defensive players taken uh, on the, in the back half of the first round. So there'll probably be a run on some of those guys. And, we did not have the, the amount of trades I thought we would. I, I thought there'd be more transactions, people trading up. But I think what's happened in the league is you've got to have a quarterback. And if you're going to try to trade into a slot to draft a quarterback, the other guy's going to ask for a ransom. And at this point, I don't think a lot of teams outside of San Francisco are willing to deal away multiple number one choices. Lee, if folks, and we haven't spoke a while, that the website is must-read every day, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Um, I'm sure you've got a, plenty of hot takes for the one man's opinion coming up, tons of draft coverage. Um, what else will people enjoy when they hit the website on the weekend? Well, we cover it all. We write, you know, I wrote a ton this morning, or overnight, actually. Uh, I post it late at night on, on the NFL draft and my reactions to the draft and the trade rumors and kind of a in-depth evaluation of this whole mess with uh, 
Aaron Rodgers, and then the deals that they thought were going to happen that did not happen and why. If you like baseball, if you like the NBA, obviously we all like hockey. I write a ton of stuff about that. I do a lot of stuff with soccer and the English Premier League, etc. So check it daily. I think there's a notation where you can be notified the minute I post something new on the website. But it's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's there every day. And if you read it, you'll be the second smartest guy in Winnipeg aside from me. <laughs> Lee, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Well, I definitely have to talk Padres as well the next time you come on. Some exciting things happening down in Southern California with that team and that amazing rivalry with the Dodgers. But we'll get ready for round two of the draft tonight. We'll check the website on the weekend, and we will do this again very soon. Great to talk to you again, and thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to be with you people in Winnipeg. And by the way, take that lid off. That's nice. <laughs> hey, you can bolt up, but uh, I'll be uh, I'll be maintaining the Chiefs lid going forward. Have a great one, Saw. Take care. There he is, the one and only Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Oh, man, that was so much fun having Lee back on. Um, and we'll do that on a more regular basis going forward, especially as we get into football season. Big thanks to Lee. Now, we are... Looking forward to getting going for another season of live racing with the Cinnaboya Downs. But in just a couple moments, we're going to talk Kentucky Derby with Kirk Contois, handicapper from the Cinnaboya Downs, to let us know how we uh, how we can get after it on the weekend and uh, maybe what horses we should be looking for. Um, we'll also quickly let you know that the uh, PGA Tour Valero Texas Open is going on right now. Um, we always check our our golf updates, courtesy of Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. If you're looking to get on the course next year, they've got a great waiting list that is growing. So why don't you give them a buzz, find out more online at breezybend.ca, and get ready for the next season. Uh, we'd love to see you out there, and, um, and I'm looking forward to finding out more about They're doing some big work on the third and six holes right now. It's seemingly coming along great. So I cannot wait to get out there and see Corey and the gang at Breezy Bend very, very soon. At the top of the leaderboard right now, it's Charles Schwartzel and, oh, my guy, Sung J.M., seven under par. Zach Johnson, Tom Lewis as well. Um, big group at six under, including Joakim Neiman. And a Canadian on the leaderboard tied for 13th. But it's not Corey Connors, not some of the usual suspects. It's Michael Gligic who um, I know played here in Winnipeg um, at one of the players' uh, events a, a few years ago. Um, Abraham answered there as well. Um, next Canadian, we got to go down a little ways, looking for Corey Connors. He's one under par. That's the expected cut number. He's still got nine holes to go on his back nine. There's our golf report for Breezy Bend. Find out more at breezybend.ca. All right. As I mentioned, we're going to get to our lines a little bit later on for tonight in the National Hockey League. But it is Derby Day on the weekend, the run for the Roses. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in Handicapper from Assiniboia Downs and uh, part of the team that puts on ASD Live, Kirk Contois. Kurt, what's up? How are you? I am doing excellent, Hustler. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? Fired up for the weekend and uh, fired up for the Derby. This, you know, when the Kentucky Derby happens every year, that's when I start getting excited for live racing. Now, of course, a little different this year, not expecting at least in the near future fans to be there, but it was an amazing year for the Downs last year, even with what they had to deal with. So we'll talk to Darren Dunn before live racing gets open. But really, for horse racing fans, the run for the Roses is the big one. And uh, it's coming up this weekend, hopefully looking a little more normal than it did last year when it was raced, what, on Labor Day? 
Yeah, well, the Kentucky Derby usually starts first week in May. So that is our pretty well prepped for us in the live racing. And uh, what an exciting field we have this year. 20 horses, which is the most to go to post, is in the Kentucky Derby. Unfortunately, there was a late scratch. I just got a couple of minutes ago. One of the horses, King Fury, the 16 horse, is out or scratched. So it won't make it, but still 19 contenders. And they're all young horses. They're just three-year-olds. So they're starting their lifelong campaigns, most of them. And wow, what an exciting race this will be. <laughs> now, Kurt, um, I should mention to folks, and we'll be talking much more about this when we get into live racing. Um, we'll be making some wagers on a daily basis for live racing through the HPI bet site. But if people, if they're already signed up and they were betting on the downs last year, you can certainly get on the Kentucky Derby that way. Or you might want to go to HPI bet, get your account, you can bet on the Derby, and then you'll be ready to go for live racing when we get after on the 17th of May out on the west side of Winnipeg. So, I mean, maybe just give us the the big picture of the of the horses that everyone's talking about, the favorite right now, before we get into some of the horses that you particularly might be backing on Saturday afternoon. Okay, well, the biggest horse in the field is a horse by the name of Essential Quality. That's one of three horses in the race that are undefeated as of right now. Essential quality has done no wrong. Five starts, five wins, has made over $2.2 million. And this is a very nice horse. But what's going to happen today is with the field, or tomorrow, pardon me, with the field being so big, your trip or what kind of path you get is going to mean everything. Essential quality usually likes to run near the front of the field, but with 19 other runners, there's about eight of them that have the same kind of idea of staying close to the pace. So it's going to be able to, for essential quality to win this race as the favorite, it's going to have to get a perfect trip. It's going to have to be able to move when it wants to move. And I just don't see that happening, but you know, it is horse racing. Once they break out of the gate, the break out of the gate is one of the most important things, too, especially such a quality has post position number 14. So he has 13 horses on the inside of him that are going to be vying to get position early. So he's going to try and do it. And he is he good enough? Of course he is. But the traffic trouble in the Kentucky Derby is what everybody talks about. There is two other horses that are undefeated, but they're both long shots. Helium, three for three. Rock your world, three for three. Nine of the 19 horses are coming off a win in their last starts. So this is not going to be an easy task for essential quality. No doubt about that. And I'm looking at, you know, the numbers. I don't have the HPI bet up right now, but I'm just looking cool bet. Most of the sites will have numbers on it. Looking at about um, two and a half to one, five to two right now. Um, and then Rock Your World, as you mentioned, I'm looking at is the second shortest number at six to one. Um, I, I think the fact that the second horse is six to one maybe speaks to, uh, I think, a lot of people's thoughts of the wide open nature of this horse, despite essential qualities pedigree coming in as an undefeated horse in the favorite. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, coming into the Kentucky Derby, you got to look at it a couple different ways. The favorites have done really well in about the last eight years. Seven out of the last eight years have been won by one of the horses that are the favorites. So that 
essential quality has going for it. But what it doesn't have going for it, usually there's a rabbit, a horse that likes to go to the front, set the pace. There isn't one of those this year. So it's going to be more like a NASCAR race with a wider track. Give a NASCAR race, make it double wide, and you'd have five or six horses as five or six cars going to the lead. That's what's going to happen in here. And where essential quality sits is going to be everything in this race. And just another little note on essential quality. There is a better out there called Mattress Mac. He's yes, from Texas. we know Mattress Mac. He's the guy that, you know, bets on the Astros and makes these massive, massive bets, and you get your bed free if he loses. You are 100% correct. His last bet was on Tampa. He bet $3.46 million to win $2.75 million profit, and everyone who bought those mattresses for $3,000 a piece, they got them all for free. So what a great thing, and he's going to bet two million dollars on essential quality so that is going to drop the odds that money is not in the pools yet so that money is going to go on essential quality ballooning the prices of the other horses not a whole ton but it will help the other prices so you're going to get a little more value if you get away from the favorite so mattress mac is getting into the horse racing game and is making his presence known for the kentucky derby on saturday afternoon that is quite interesting i'm kirk contois with us uh, he's a handicapper from assiniboia downs you can watch him and the gang on asd live throughout the live racing season on live race days preparing you and us for making our wagers so we talked about essential quality that's the favorite rocker world's next let me just hit you with the next five horses that are in the same. We've got seven to one unknown agenda, hot rod Charlie, eight to one, highly motivated, nine to one, and then two horses at eleven to one, Mandaloon and Medina Spirit. Of those five, Kurt, um, is there one or two that you're tabbing that could be right in the mix as they get to the finish line? Yeah, I'm a big fan of known agenda. It does draw the rail or the inside post position number one, which really isn't a favorable position in the Kentucky Derby over the last few years. But uh, this horse, in the last couple starts, they changed equipment on it, which is blinkers. And that, that little equipment change has made this a different horse and has won his last two races convincingly, has a really good running style, doesn't like to go to the lead, but likes to sit second flight of horses. And I think this horse is peaking right now. So I think he has a really good shot and highly motivated the 17 horse. This horse's effort last time was absolutely amazing. Looked like was going to win last time against essential quality and essential quality dug really deep and just got by about three jumps before the wire. And that's the reason I'm not a big fan of essential quality in here. I would have liked to see the horse pounce go by and then after the race gallop out meaning keep going on its own and draw off on the field that didn't happen last time highly motivated in him pretty well galloped out together so that's why i think essential quality is beatable this year in the derby kirk contois with us now um, those are interesting horses after that it's basically 20 to 1 and longer and I won't bother reading all these horses, but is there yep. is there a long shot or two that you know is worth putting a you know two bucks down on, or potentially maybe you know you know a place or show bet to be in the mix there at the end? Who do you like of the longer horses? 
Yeah, there's one I really like in here. Robertino Diodoro, the four horse, keep me in mind. This is a horse that last year ran seconds and thirds to essential quality in a two-year-old season. So far this year, had two starts and really didn't do much in those two. But they did an equipment change. And after that change, the horse worked in the morning and worked fabulous. The best that day in a half a mile. And the horse just sizzled around there. So I'm thinking this horse just might have got it going again. And everything clicks together. It's 50 to 1 morning line. And I really think that horse has a shot. Number 20, Bourbonic. This horse was the upsetter in the Wood Memorial Paid $150 to win for a $2 wager and came from well back to get that done. This will be the same running style. This horse will sit near the back of the pack, probably 16th to 19th, and then try and make a move at those leaders if they are tiring. So there's another one you can throw in. And I'm going to give you one more. Sainthood, the five horse. This horse was running really well in its first two starts. Ran second, then won. Last time out in a grade two race was in all kinds of trouble at the head of the lane would without a doubt have won that race, but got cut off and just couldn't do anything about it. Ran second. I like horses that jump up, run big races. And I think this one did. And that trouble line, if he gets a nice clean trip, he can definitely be another one. I think this Derby this year is going to be boxcar prices. Oh, Kirk, this has been so much fun. Um, final question for you as we sure. get ready. Now, I mean, if people are just, you know, pick a winner, you don't want to say anything you can do, but a place like HPI Bet, you can make all of the normal bets that you would make if you're at the track, Quinellas, Triactors, all that. Yep. Let's do a Winnipeg Sports Talk Triactor box right now. Give us three horses. At, like, basically, if you were going to say the top three, and we can put them in any, we'll do it the box so they can finish in any order. But if we wanted to lean on the top three horses in this race uh, to put it together so they can come in, what are the three that um, that you would put on your ticket? Okay, I'm going to go with known agenda, which is the one horse. I'm also going to take the four horse at 50 50 to one. Keep me in mind. And I got to throw an essential quality undefeated five for five. I think the horse will run its race but I just don't think it's going to get that dream trip to get the win. So I'll put him for third. So one, four and 14. Oh, that is fantastic. Kurt, thanks so much for doing this. Um, You know, we will definitely maybe in advance of live racing or around the beginning of the season, get you back at some point or record something. we put on the channel, maybe with some, uh, you know, a a beginner's run to, um, you know, to learn what the Quinellas and the tractors and all that stuff means. Of course, Cineboy Downs at the website has some great material as well. And you guys will be doing the ASD live shows for live racing. Um, But again, I guess you and Marshall and the guys got together and uh, have a show out now for the Derby as well. And people can find that at the uh, Cinevoid Downs website. Yes, we do. We have ASD live. We have our Kentucky Derby preview. And we also did the Oaks, which runs tonight in race 11. And a cool thing about that is Robbie Atris trains the two horse. He's a homegrown product. Who's now playing the big time. And the horse is a bit of a long shot in there. But uh, Robbie Atris has done really well for himself. He is going to be a name that you will see in the upper levels of racing in years to come. Still a young guy, Rob Atris, Maruka, the two horse in the 11th race at Churchill Downs tonight. 
Kurt, thanks for doing this. Good luck on the weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up during the uh, the season when we get going uh, in the middle of May out of the Cinnaboy Downs. You bet, Hustler. May 17th, opening day. We can't wait. I know I can't wait for it. Thanks a lot, for Hustler, for having me on. Hey, the pleasure was ours. Thanks, Kurt. There's Kurt Contois from uh, the uh, Handicapper for Assiniboia Downs. And we're very much looking forward to bringing on our pal Darren Dunn at some point before the 17th to give us a bit of a, a look ahead to what will be happening with live racing. And again, hpibet.com. You can set up an account. You can bet on the horses and the races here in Winnipeg as well as around the world, including the Kentucky Derby. All right. Great stuff with Hacksaw. Fun talk with Kurt getting ready for the Derby. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Reem, I couldn't help but notice some nice color in the chat going back and forth. I have to apologize to Mitch because I didn't ask about the unicorn racing, um, but we've got some thank yous to roll out, I guess. Yeah, big uh, thank yous uh, for a couple people in the super chats. Mitch Jansen says, got to ask if we'd seen unicorns <laughs> racing and put the unicorn emoji. So thank you, Mitch. Taylor, pop it in just six straight <laughs> Unicorns. Taylor, the sweetheart of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We miss yeah. you and we appreciate you joining Thank us you. every day, Taylor. And then there was some other chat going on. We had some predictions made in chat. Uh, BA split. He said that uh, Hellbuck was going to get a shutout and that he bet on it. And then people in chat said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't say shutout. He's going to jinx it. And then BA put his money where his mouth is and dropped a super chat with shutout in all capitals. So he he thinks that he's ready to bounce back. Look, if you listen to Hellbuck, he's the most confident guy in the world. Uh, he thinks the Jets are saving their goals for the playoffs. They're ready to explode, and it's going to be awesome. Hey, I tell you him. what, B.A., I'm riding with you right now. This is a perfect segue into our cool bet lines of the day. Now, the money line is Jets minus 105. <laughs> Habs are minus 110. But, B.A., I'm with you on this, and I'm going to go where we got home team goals total over under well they don't have 0.5 but i can get under one and a half for plus 254 so that's essentially zero or one goals so that is in that'll be one of the plays for tonight habs under i'm riding with besplit under one and a half goals plus 254 as i mentioned Jets a very slight underdog. This game's just about a pick 'em. Habs minus one ten. Jets minus one hundred five. Reap. People in chat are really mad that at me for just saying shutout right now. Like I could have some effect on the game, and I see this now on Twitter too. Like people are getting mad at baseball broadcasters who say no hitter <laughs> during a no hitter. I mean, that happens all the time, and the same thing. You know, if there's five minutes left in the game, you will see very rarely do the commentators ever mention the S word. I mean, I, th- I think doing it this far out of out of the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen. I'm just gonna say, I figure it probably is not going to affect what happens tonight on the ice. Yeah, I'm just, it, I'm hey, just throwing if, that out there. If it was like <laughs> during the game with five minutes left, oh yeah, it's for sure going to affect what happens. But I think like <laughs> you'll take the heat. You'll take the heat for it. Yeah, yeah. I think like <laughs> over three hours before puck drop, I think we're safe. Right? <laughs> How long before puck drop? Can you say shout out? What's the what's the rule? <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll we'll test oh. this theory tonight. Yeah. I hope that we blow all of the superstitions out of the water and BA is in fact right. I comfortably win the under home team goals total bet and um the Jets get back in the win column. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Dan the Jets fan says it's not said during the game, so we're safe. <laughs> so okay, we're safe. Okay. That- <laughs> so we're safe. And uh, Winnipeg Jets 280 is asking if we had any bets on the game. Well, I said I'm taking um, Hellbuck on DraftKings, and you said uh, BA said he's betting on a shutout. You're trailing that with the Habs under one and a half goals. We'll see. I mean, it's two I teams might- who are kind of not playing their best hockey right now. Yeah, I might put a touch on the Jets. They've got to be better. And Montreal is really struggling right now. I mean, uh, one of these teams is going to get an important win right now. The team that loses, I think, is really going to be thinking about, man, where do they go from here? But, you know, as we heard from Dubois earlier today, and I'd mentioned this on my commentary on OB today, I mean, I think this is just a great time for the Winnipeg Jets to get back out on the road. I mean, they do. it's hard to believe, Reem. This team is 11-11 and at home and 16-8 and on the road. Um, I've left off whatever the loser points is. I can't remember what those numbers are. But, I mean, the road record is really good. And, listen, they weren't losing the games because they were at home. But I think as a team, with what they've been going through, the scrutiny they're under here right now, um, probably a great time to get this last final road trip of the year. Out, try and find your game, get back playing, you know, what the way you need to to compete with a team like Edmonton and hopefully finish strong in that final week at home, and then get ready to be a different team in the playoffs that we've seen in the last couple weeks against the Leafs and Oilers. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, someone asked in chat, I think it was Darcy, who said, you know, is this game must win for the Jets? I'm like, well, you know, according to the standings, like, no, but, you know, you don't want to go on a six-game losing streak. Like, you you don't have to answer these questions anymore. You don't have to be walking around, you know, for another couple days in Montreal. Uh, you know, feeling like you're a crappy team because you were on a big losing streak. So, uh, I'd like to see them get a win. I, I think it's going to happen. I mean, they're what you said. They're it's basically a pick 'em on the odds. That's where they're at. It's going across the screen right now. The cool bet odds uh, for those watching. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. I, you know, I'm expecting a, a better game than we saw the last two from the Jets, and I think they would tell you the same thing. Yeah, and and I mean, listen, the Habs have a game in hand on the Jets and are only six points back. So, you know, with a win tonight in regulation, they move to four back with the game in hand. You know, if you win that game, then it's just a two-point difference. So, um, I mean, I think this is an important game, less so to lock down third place or, you know, be in that 2-3 series, uh, but more so to get the Jets back Mm -hmm. playing the way that they need to play. And I mean, Calgary, with their win last night, they are still just four points back of Montreal, although Montreal has that game in hand. So I can tell you, I'm going to be doing the show again this Friday afternoon and Friday's going forward with the guys on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. I can tell you that the uh, the listening audience of the program this afternoon will be the biggest Jets fans around right now because Calgary needs Montreal to lose and then Calgary needs to go into Edmonton and get another clean two points tomorrow night. Yeah, you're going to ask the guys in Calgary, like, how did they handle McDavid last night? I mean, I think that's what everyone in Winnipeg was wondering. And I even said, you asked me yesterday on this, at this, you know, pretty much 24 hours ago, who are you leading? I'm like, I think Calgary against Edmonton, who's on a back-to-back. I know I didn't, I didn't bet them, but I didn't feel great about saying it, but I was like, that's where I would have to go. And uh, as you talked to uh, your friend uh, Dustin Nielsen, he said Edmonton just seemed out of gas after just pounding on the Jets for two uh, for two games. So, um, I don't know, maybe Calgary's got some secret recipe on how to stop McDavid, though, that they can share with the rest of the North Division. Well, the rest it's a of busy, the league. 
Busy day. Later on tonight, after the Jets play, about 9 o'clock Winnipeg time, um, we'll uh, release Friday's Lock Shop. And I'll be honest, I think uh, the Calgary Flames might be my pick in the dog pound tomorrow night. Um, I think there's a natural letdown, I think, for Edmonton with where they are right now after those games against Winnipeg. And we saw it last night. Be interesting to see if they can turn it around. Crazy thing about that game last night, though, Reem, is that Leon Dreisaitl was not having a very strong game. And he still finished playing like 29 minutes. What? I mean, Dave Tippett, Dave Tippett does not, uh, I mean, literally one of those guys seems to be out at all times. And uh, even on an off night when the team's losing, still throw him out there for pretty much half the game. Yeah, I mean, he knows he knows who's on his team, Huss, and he knows that he's got two of the best guys in the league. So, I mean, I kind of like it. I mean, who said, you know, forwards can only play, you know, 20 minutes a game? Throw them as many times as you can, but, and maybe save some for the playoffs, maybe what Oilers fans are thinking, when it's clearly not your night. You do want to give these guys a, a breather at some point. They are human beings. So, uh, the, those I think those minutes are going to be watched, but uh, they're trying to get, you know, McDavid, the big storyline now for the last, you know, seven games of the year, however many they they have, McDavid, will he get you 100 points in this shortened season? Uh, crazy to think. I mean, the, I think the R. Ross champion the last couple of years doesn't even have that many points in a full season. So uh, it just shows you what kind of a year these guys are having. Look <laughs> <laughs> at Mitch's chat. Calgary got away with a few penalties on McDavid. We never get those breaks. There was one, actually, where I thought they hauled him down in a hellbuck last game. That didn't get called, but it was right after the refs missed a call in Dubois, so it was an even up call. So it actually made sense when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, we know all about the uh, all about those even up calls. Um, hey, again, you still have a couple minutes to uh, fire us a tweet um, with with Memphis and at Boston Pizza WPG. We will pick a winner uh, in the next couple minutes at the end of the show. So uh, at Sports Talk WPG Memphis Boston Pizza Winnipeg. You know how to do it. We'll grab that uh, beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, other games tonight, just finishing up the Cool Bet Lines, Ream. Um, we have, where are we here? We've got a very busy night. Vegas is at Arizona tonight. Vegas, winners of 10 in a row. Um, the Avalanche, a massive favorite, minus 345 at home against the San Jose Sharks. And the Ducks and Kings going at tonight. Kings, a slight road favorite, minus 122 against the Anaheim Ducks. And, the Ducks, frankly, this season has just basically been John Gibson. And, uh, well, it's been the John Gibson show. And if they can maybe muster a couple goals, they might have a chance to grind out a point or two. Yeah, a couple notes for tonight for Colorado. They are getting a Grubauer, uh, Ranton, and Donskoy back who have been out under protocols. Uh, yeah, the Ducks season, a pretty miserable one for them. Uh, they're playing, I mean, who are they playing? Kings tonight? Is that is that who it is? Yes, Ducks, yeah. Kings. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I look at the Ducks lineup, and I'm just like, I'm not like, who are these guys? I mean, you know Troy Terry, Ryan Getzlaff. Like, you've heard of these guys, Sam Steele, but not exactly, you know, type A kind of players. So it's been a rough season for the Ducks. We've been hearing about their young players for a while. I know their affiliate in San Diego has had some success, but, you know, maybe soon they can bring some of that to the NHL. Yeah, no doubt. What um, what's up for the weekend, Reem? Uh, you got uh, zoo plans again? Or you're building anything? Mm-hmm. Um, what? How much adulting do you have planned, or has been planned for you? Mm, has been planned for me. Um, <laughs> I don't think we have any plans. You know, normally I'd see people, but uh, I don't think you can do that now. So, 
I don't know, probably go for some walks, go to the park. Um, maybe the zoo. It's supposed to be nice tomorrow. I was looking at the temperature. Uh, I'll pull up the Skywatch weather right now. Yes, yeah, Saturday. High of 22. What? Maybe, that's what Are you says. serious? High of 22, <laughs> low, of 20, low of 6. So maybe we'll, we will try some zoo. I can ask him and you know I can ask him if he wants to go, my son. I'll tell you tell you what, that trip over to Little Brown Jug to pick up everything from Monday might mm-hmm. involve hanging around outside and uh, enjoying uh, maybe a couple 1919s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, BA wants me to show the car that I built in chat. Oh, you know what? Actually, that's not a bad idea. That I mean, might be a great way to finish up the uh, finish up the program. You grab it. Um, this was, if you missed it last week, I said, Remo, what's going on for the weekend? And he was somewhat intimidated by the fact that he had to build this car for his son. Now, um, he described it as um, essentially, you know, along the lines of building Ikea furniture with a lot of pieces. Um, but apparently it has been built. I am looking forward to seeing just, in fact, how long it took him to get this done and the final pro- and the final product. Um, but again, big thanks to B.A., Taylor, and Mitch Jansen for dropping in the Super Chat. That is very nice of you guys, and we really do appreciate the support. Hey, if you haven't already, hit that like button. And any new folks coming in, hanging out with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, we do this every day. Begin at 1 o'clock live on YouTube. Get into the podcast feeds around 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, and definitely, if you're here with us on YouTube, make sure you hit that red subscribe button so you get notifications when we're live and you can join us here on a daily basis. Um, all right, Remus is back. Do we have Now, quickly, before you show this off, mm-hmm. um, give us an idea. You opened this thing up. Did you think there was going to be much assembly required? And uh, how much more than you initially anticipated was in there? So my wife's like, yeah, we'll just open it up and we'll uh, put him in the car. We'll take him for a spin. And uh, <laughs> and I open it up. It's a little tykes, you know, the the cozy coop. It's like a classic toy. There's so many parts. I'm doing. I I had to like drill part of part of the together. I don't know. It's a drill. <laughs> Not a drill season. guy. Not a drill guy up and until now. I can ne- tell you that. I had never drilled anything without supervision until. <laughs> until <laughs> but uh, here it is. This is it right here. So wow. uh, I had to put it all together. It's a fire truck. <laughs> it doesn't look that imp- imposing. It took like four hours, man. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well, part of it was I was doing it last night in the basement or last week in the basement very late. And I didn't want to start hammering and drilling at midnight. I mean, I didn't realize that so much machinery <laughs> Was going to be required, but uh, this is this is pretty. It's a pretty sweet car. He loves it, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. How's it gone over with the uh, person that really counts, and that is the driver of said car, young Evan. Oh, loves it. He says car. Yeah, yeah. Loves it. He wanted to get in it before it was even built. It was like half built in the basement, and he came down and saw it. He's like, car, car. So uh, yeah, yeah he James loves Robinson. James Robinson, right? That thing would look a lot cooler if you put the goal light on top. Yeah, it oh, he loves like a little I, mini ambulance. There you go. Yeah, the light doesn't go up. And BA is asking about ACDC. Yeah, there's a book there. It's called The Rock ABCs. And my son is about um, 
He's under he's under two years. I don't know how many months. The Rock ABCs no, no, like like rock, rock like rock rock and roll ABCs. Oh, I thought so, it was like Dwayne Johnson no, dropping ABCs for so toddlers. Um, that would that would that would sell millions. It's like A Alice Cooper, B Bruce Springsteen, C Chuck Berry, and he can name he can name the whole thing on on command. So <laughs> we're trying to film it for some viral some viral content, but uh, he gets distracted. Oh, okay. Um, uh, before we go, yeah, before we go, before I want to give a shout out to uh, Yarmer Yager, though. Forty nine years old, his team Cladno just won their like Czech league. He's like, gonna still play, apparently. Yeah. He said he's, he's coming not back. done. It, it almost. I read the interview on NHL.com. Sounded like he felt like he was being held hostage by the team. He's like, look, there's some people who need me to play. It brings it brings owners. We got an outdoor game. I got to be there. So he's gonna be fifty next year. They have an, they're, and they just got promoted to the A League in Czech Republic. Like, why aren't his games? Why aren't his shifts more on TV? Why am I only hearing about this? I don't know. This guy's a living legend. Thirty third pro season. Uh, I don't know if he just finished, but I mean, this guy's been playing. What year is it? Twenty twenty one. Right now, he started playing in the NHL like nineteen ninety. Yeah, and he had played before as a pro yeah. in Europe before he came over, I think, in 90. So, um, listen, Gordy Howe played until he was 52 in the WHA, and maybe just maybe Yager can break that record. But um, we got to get a subscription or something to this Czech league to get our Yager me, fix next year when he comes back. Get a good stream or something. Every time he gets a point, like, they need to have that on Twitter. Like, who's the social media person for the Czech Extra Liga? <laughs> and Thomas well, Bukanic? He own the team? Like, he, he owns the team. Probably, yeah, well, he should step up the – <laughs> that's sort of on him. Hire some people, Yags. We need to see you. We miss I, uh, you. So, uh, yeah, they got Thomas Bukanic, too, playing as well. Another <laughs> former – I love looking through the Europe rosters, man. I don't know uh, – yeah, the World Championships. We'll see if there was anyone on there. I'm trying to think uh, – Think what? Think what else? But uh, yeah, Ch- Yager. I'm here for all the Yager uh, talk. Hope he never retires. Oh man, that is awesome! All right, listen. Uh, we'll tweet out the uh, winner of the uh, of the pizza, and don't worry if you don't win today. We've got another giveaway coming up on Monday. Another one on Wednesday. Uh, we will give out that large Memphis pizza, and don't forget, uh, BP. It's Pizza Week beginning on the weekend tomorrow. Actually, I guess it's May first. Um, so get that Memphis kicking pizza over at Charleswood. The the uh, the sh- or sorry on Taylor the California shrimp on Charleswood, but they're available for delivery nine two five forty one eleven. Let us know what you think. Um, Remo, been another awesome week. Uh, great show today. Thanks to Kurt Contois for getting us some derby picks for tomorrow. Great to have Lee Hacksaw Hamilton back for the first time since we've moved over to Winnipeg Sports Talk and. Of course, Craig Button, so kind of him to uh, make time for us in his busy schedule down in Plano, Texas, to talk Jets with us and give us a little insight on Team Canada at the uh, World Under 18s. Yeah, that's pretty cool that they're uh, doing that. This uh, we're gonna be. I feel like we're gonna be hearing about this Connor Bedard uh, kid for a couple years. Uh, so well, but- especially here. You know what the great thing is? I mean, you know, with him being in Regina, is that assuming. We get back to normal next fall, and you know there's fans in buildings. Oh. Um, you know Bedard will be here playing the ice a few times this season, and that Man. will be uh, that'll be a hot ticket everywhere in the Western Hockey League to see what this kid's doing. He was an absolute phenom as a 15 year old in the bubble. Yeah, believe it or not, I've never been to a WHL game. So now that there's a team here, I would like to uh, have the opportunity to go, and that would definitely be a hot ticket. 
No doubt about it. Well, you know, we had a good time going out and doing the show at a few Wheaties games, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the past. I guess maybe it was that the lockout year or whatnot. But, yeah, probably take the show out on the road to Brandon. Maybe do a Brandon Wheaties game here in uh, Brandon, a Wheaties ice game here in Winnipeg and definitely look at Connor Adar. But in the meantime, you can see him and all the top draft prospects for this year, although he's not eligible on TSN as the world under 18s continue. And of course, our pal Craig Button, who joined us earlier today, a big, big part of that program. All right. I got to run here. Um, I'm going to be on in Calgary in an hour with the guys on sports at 960. And of course, lock shop coming up later on tonight, Reem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there will be some little brown jugs in our future at some point this weekend. We'll officially welcome them on to uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk on Monday. Probably have some giveaways as well. Those will be very popular. That's for sure going forward. Um, But we do have to get out of here. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, and our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Remo, another great week on WST. Yes, uh, yes, what a great week. Sorry, Darcy's asking, is it Little Brown Jug a sponsor? And yeah, we officially announced that today. So uh, I will have to pick some of that. We'll be in touch about going down there. Yeah, um, you got it. Very, uh, very pop, excited. Pop and it, yeah, on the weekend. It was, and... was, was an awesome week. I had didn't really have any, uh, didn't put anyone on mute, like maybe like once. So that's a yeah. win. No, we, for sure. Yeah. You, you bounced back big. Uh, you know, you, the Jets need to bounce back from a dismal performance mm. like you did this week after what happened last Friday. I think, uh, you yeah. know, you're really setting the showing that it can be done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we'll see. Let's get see the Jets. I know uh, BA is writing shutout in all caps in chat. Good. So Hey, uh, BA, I'm riding with you. I'm riding with you under one and a half uh, home goals is what I took. Maybe I'll do a live bet under a half a goal to really get the shadow. Bottom line, hopefully we'll see a better Jet team. I think they started moving towards what they need to be on Wednesday, um, but we'll see what they can do tonight. That game starts at 6 p.m. And again, we'll be back on Monday. I believe another game day on Monday. We'll talk about it, the full weekend, wrap the NFL draft, all the other news from the world of sports, and get right into it for another week. And we'll officially welcome Little Brown Jug as our craft and official beer sponsor on Monday. Um, but folks, thanks again for being with us. It was a real fun show. Thanks to the guests. Thanks to Michael Remus and all of you. Hit that like button on the way out. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. And we'll see you Monday afternoon, 1 o'clock here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks for joining us, and have a great weekend. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.